According to the Bureau of International Labor Affairs, in 2020, there were approximately 152 million children forced into child labor. And of that, 73 million engaged in hazardous labor in 143 countries around the world. Hello, I'm Tej, and today I bring you a grim topic, that of human trafficking. More specifically, child trafficking in Vietnam. Today's guest is the founder and strategic director of Blue Dragon Children's Foundation. For over 20 years, Michael Brzozowski has been working to keep kids safe and end human trafficking. He is one of 2011's CNN heroes, the first Australian to ever receive this accolade. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Tej. Good to talk to you. Uh, this topic is rather uh, grim and it is very, very serious. Uh, how bad is the situation and when did you come across uh, this matter? Look, it, it is a bad situation and and, and I'll, I'm happy to share uh, the, the kind of situations that we come across, the, the, the sort of exploitation that we see. But I, but I also want to say that this is a topic of hope because as bad as child trafficking is, I believe that there are solutions and I've seen a lot of progress over the years. Um, but here in Vietnam, children and, and young adults are, are trafficked, um, some within Vietnam, but m to a greater extent, they're trafficked around the region, to China, to Myanmar, Cambodia, and, and even to Laos. Uh, and, and that's where they're either put to work or sold as a bride. Um, and we have seen success in, in challenging this, uh, in preventing it uh, and, and improving the situation so that it doesn't happen. Um, so the stories can be grim, but, but there is always hope. Yes, uh, I understand. Uh, but facing an issue like this every day, uh, how do you, how do you deal with this situation? It's, it's pretty sad to look at, uh, children like that, right? That's right. That's right. But I think what really makes the difference, and and this isn't only my opinion, I'm quite sure that, that there's a lot of uh, psychologists who will agree with this. If you come across a situation that you are totally powerless to influence, then you will be traumatized by that. But if you if you have some ability to act, to intervene, to make a change, then you can be resilient against against that. In my work in Blue Dragon, we you know we started out working twenty years ago with street children here in Vietnam. We weren't even talking about the topic of human trafficking, mm -hmm. but we started to come across it um, both as a separate issue and also seeing street children being trafficked and sexually exploited. And there were times at first when when I felt that powerlessness that I felt. Mm. I, I don't know if I can make a change. I don't know if I can really make any difference for these children. And that was the absolute worst time uh, of my life in this work. Now I've been able to get through those times and see that we can make changes. But it's not only about success because there are also people involved in, in very good work who it might take a decade to really uh, make make a difference to, to have an impact. But there are things you can do. You've got to work as a team. And at Blue Dragon, we, we really are a team. It's not a one-man show. Um, 
we we take care of ourselves mindfully so we have systems and structures in place to check in on each other mm. um, to, to put up our hand and say i'm not okay uh, and and i need help it's partly you know built into the culture of the organization and and that sounds great but i do have to say we learned to do that tej the hard way and i wish we'd i wish we'd known it uh, 20 years ago i understand totally the very fact that you are taking care of such a humongous situation uh, speaks a lot about you and the strength of you and your team of course this is challenging work isn't it michael is it's something that uh, probably you're running into uh, threats as well people with organized crime uh, would not like the work that you're doing that's right that's right but the way we work um, is is in collaboration with police and government and and that alone keeps us quite safe now threats do come um, even today we've we've had a situation where somebody is making a, a, a threat of, of harm but but it's almost not very serious um, we are we are protected because we do things properly um, we we always communicate what we do with with police and with officials that's um, good to know yeah and 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 that you know that's very very important we do rescue operations people call for help and we we go to find those people and and rescue them and that can be a very difficult terrain in in fact uh, in the nonprofit sector um, organizations that do rescue work sometimes have a bit of a bad reputation because the rescues become synonymous with with cowboys you know with kicking down the door and and being being a big tough guy and and rescuing the woman we we do our rescues in a very safe way we've rescued 1300 people getting up to 1400 people wow and we want to keep going so so we have to make sure that every operation is completely safe we're generally anonymous in our operations the traffickers have no idea what's hit them we we set up escapes we don't we don't go kicking in doors uh, and and pulling people out of buildings we help people find a way to escape quietly and then rush back to to Vietnam. Um, and there we report to the police. Uh, we uh, we make sure the traffickers get caught. So with all of that in place, it reduces the danger. It doesn't eliminate the danger. Mm-hmm. And and what I would say, so yes, you're, you're quite right, Tej, there's there is an element of danger in this. But it's more dangerous to not act. When someone calls for help, they're risking their life to say to them, look, we can't come because because it's dangerous yeah. for us is putting that person's life in terrible risk. Yeah. We're all about mitigating those risks. We want we want to be safe. But at the end of the day, we have to get people to safety. Uh, you're such a I mean, such big hearted people. Uh, when you speak about um, dangers, Tell me, Michael, where is the bottom of, where does this originate? What is the source of this human trafficking? Is it poverty? Well, that's, you're asking the million dollar question. Um, we find that trafficking in Vietnam, and, and I really have to emphasize that in each location, trafficking takes different forms and happens for different reasons. Vietnam compared to India, compared to the USA, compared to Australia, 
it takes different forms. So what I'm sharing uh, in, in our conversation is what the situation here in Vietnam is. The people who are most at risk of being trafficked in Vietnam are ethnic minority and women. So Vietnam has about 100 million people. About 15% of them uh, belong to ethnic minority groups. A lot of people have heard of the Hmong, for example. But there's about another 60-something groups of, of ethnic minority people in Vietnam. They have their own mm-hmm. language, their own culture. And therefore, it's very easy for them to become marginalized and outside the mainstream society. Of course, traffickers pick on that vulnerability. Uh, People from ethnic minority communities tend to live in remote rural areas. Uh, They they tend to not have access or, or to have not accessed the same services like education, higher education, as the majority culture. Uh, and, and they may be less able to, to re- even report to the police um, because of the, ver- just by virtue of, of their social isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you get up into the mountains of northern Vietnam or you get into mm-hmm. these really remote areas, you can understand how they have become um, isolated um, just because of their geography. And for the traffickers, they, that, they're the people who they go after. But having said that, we have rescued uh, business women. We we have rescued. Uh, one time, we even rescued a journalist from from trafficking. So so trafficking can happen to anybody, but it tends to happen to to those uh, mostly young women, mostly from Vulnerable. ethnic minority yeah. communities, and and the traffickers tend to have the same profile um, as their victims. So they tend to be from the same communities. They tend to have a low okay. education. Um, now it's always, it's hard to get, to gather this information. It's hard to know, um, the full profile of, of traffickers, but Blue Dragon has been studying this, putting together the data that we can find and trying to draw a picture because we want to intervene in trafficking. And to do that, we also have to see, can we prevent traffickers from doing their job in the first place? So that's that's where we're headed. Trying to work out how to stop this before it happens. Right. Uh, let's look at the staff that you have, the team that you have. Uh, what is your team size? Uh, do you have any partners to help you with this? Of course, you spoke about the police and the government, but apart from that, do you have any other nonprofits or NGOs? Well, the context of Vietnam is that the government wants NGOs to work with them. Um, they. It's a very interesting philosophy. And when it works, by the way, it's great. Uh, It doesn't always work as as the theory uh, says it should. But the idea is that as NGOs work, we build up government services so that one day we're not needed so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so we work closely with groups like the Women's Union, which is kind of a semi-government. It's not fully government, but it's a semi-government body. And, And it's an association of... Uh, Vietnamese women all around the country. It would be hard to find a village without a women's union representative. So we work with them. At times we've worked with the Vietnamese Red Cross. Um, and, and then, of course, with groups like the, like the police uh, and with local governments. And then Blue Dragon networks with uh, other organisations that might provide services. For example, there are some NGOs or um, kind of social enterprises, I guess you'd call them, that provide training 
And so we might refer the young people in our care to those training programs. Um, so so it's, it's like a vast network, like a vast neural network. And we're constantly working out how do we help this person? Which agency is the right one to, to assist them? Um, but within Blue Dragon, we, we actually have an, an, an unusual strategy of providing end-to-end -end services. Um, mm -hmm. We're rescuing people. We're delivering welfare services. We build houses for families who, who are homeless. We, we help families start farms. We send kids to school. Right now we have 130-something children, young, young adults, in university. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, You've got good numbers. That It's fantastic. Uh, and it keeps growing every year, which is just so inspiring. Um, and, and then we go right through to working with the Vietnamese government on law reform. Mm -hmm. So we've worked with the government on a couple of law reform initiatives already. So we're taking what we learn from the field and we're feeding that into the government system. So as you could imagine, my staff are also a very diverse group. Um, we, we hire a lot of people from ethnic minority communities. Um, we hire former street kids, former beneficiaries. In fact, we have a co-CEO model in Blue Dragon where we have two CEOs. And one of them was, was once a street kid who I met on the streets of Hanoi um, and helped to get off it and, and into education and a job. Um, so it's a really diverse and passionate team. Um, it's hard, you know, you started out talking about the grim nature of this work uh, and, and you are right. But if you come to the Blue Dragon Center in Hanoi, you wouldn't know. It, it's a place of joy. Uh, it's a place of togetherness. One of the glorious things that we do is that staff and kids have lunch together every day. And we're sitting there, we're sharing meals with the children, talking about their morning, uh, talking about their dreams. So we, uh, as, a, as a staff team, we're very different people, um, but, but we're bound together by a belief that we can make things better. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employee's experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision. A vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Jazuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Uh, Michael, tell me, where do you see this going? What is your vision uh, for the ne near future? Well, we believe that 
human trafficking can be ended. And, and I'll qualify that immediately by saying that I know it will always be around to some degree. Crime is not like a disease that you can wipe out. You'll always have crime. But right now, Vietnam has a serious problem with human trafficking, as this whole region does. Mm -hmm. And we believe that we can reduce that to a very small problem. Now, how to do that? Well, we're already implementing interventions and activities in, in certain parts of the country. Mm -hmm. um, like I said earlier, we're, you know, we work with the government on law reform initiatives. We deliver welfare to families. We help them start farms. We start committees in villages that will own the problem of human trafficking in their community. So these are little villages that are committees that, that get together once a month and talk through a list of issues. Uh, and if there's any red flag of, of human trafficking, they know what to do. They, they'll call for help, for example. So we've got these happening in certain areas of the country. What we want to do now, and we're starting already, is to expand to new locations. What, what we're doing, the reason, we're not going to try to set this up ourselves in every village of Vietnam, but we want to try and test this model in lots of locations, in geographically different places, and prove first to ourselves and secondly to the government that this works. The long-term goal, you see, is that we can go to the central government and say, hey, look, we've been doing this and this mm -hmm. has been the result. If you roll this out across the country, this is the impact that you will have. So we're building up that body of evidence, I, I, I could say. Um, and of course, while we do that, we're actually helping people in real time. So, so we're, we've got our eyes now on some areas to expand to, um, and we'll keep rolling out what we do. We'll keep rescuing. We'll keep uh, working with the government on law reform um, and building up that body of evidence that human trafficking can be stopped. Michael, could you share a story that has made you feel truly rewarded for what you are doing? Well, I, I think that the story of our, our co-CEO is, is truly rewarding. Um, you know, he was, he was a 14, 15-year-old shoeshine boy when I met him on, on the streets of, of Hanoi. And it was totally by luck that, that I even met him. Blue Dragon hadn't even started at that time. It was just me and some Vietnamese volunteers teaching English and mathematics classes and and some fun activities for, for street kids. And then there was this, this boy named V. Um, and we just got talking on the street and I said to him, why don't you come to my English class? Um, and he came the next day, he brought another one of his friends and, uh, and V joined what became Blue Dragon. He then went off later to work in hospitality and he was a very, very good barman. I never thought he would come back and work at Blue Dragon. But a few years later, he did. And he, he was involved in some rescue operations. Um, and then he started doing street outreach, uh, going out onto the streets looking for homeless kids. And even still, I never thought, here is someone who might be a CEO one day. And 
last year I made that decision, right? It's time for me to step out of a CEO role and for a Vietnamese person to step in. And V convinced me that he was ready for this job. Oh, okay. uh, he's, he's not yet 40. So he's a, he's a young man, uh, but he's an exceptional leader. And, and to me, that's inspiring because is, so many, well, so many of the girls and boys who we meet have no belief in themselves. Everyone's told them that they're bad or that they're stupid. V, v believed that when he was a kid, that, that he was stupid. Um, the belief is, well, if, if, if I was smart, if I was a good person, why would I be on the street or why would I be trafficked? You can imagine the impact that V has when he talks to other children now. Um, you know, when he goes out and he meets street kids and he tells them his story and often they don't believe him at first. And he has to show them photos to prove I was really just the same as you. And knowing that here is a guy just like me. And, and now, you know, he's got a good job and he, he can help other people. That's powerful for, for the is, young people yeah. in our care. I like this one sentence I read on your website. You've, you've written, I think it's in one of your blogs. Uh, you've said uh, Blue Dragon's work is not about uh, helping kids who are high flyers, but about giving everyone a chance. If I can share one more story, sure. Tej, you know, we, we have kids, one of our young women, for example, um, works in Finland now as a civil engineer. Oh, um, lovely. We, we have a young man who's gone to, to study and, and then live in New Zealand. He's an IT guy in New Zealand. So we have these high flyers. But one of the stories that I'm really proud of is one of our boys some years ago wanted to become a garbage collector now working for the government it's a it's a paid government job um, okay. going around the streets picking up the garbage in the evenings and he wanted to do that so we gave him the support and encouragement that he needed and he became a garbage collector and a few years later he married he'd, he'd saved up enough money to build a small house for him and his wife um, it was what he wanted to do. And I just love that the kids don't have to fit into our right. expectations. Yeah, you would not imagine somebody asking to be a garbage collector. <laughs> no, but that was, he's the only one who's ever said that to me, <laughs> but it was, it was seriously what he wanted. Uh, and, and that's just wonderful that he could do that. <clears throat> Everyone can achieve their own right. dream. Facilitating what their dream is, uh, is something that gives you uh, energy and even the reward. That's it right. Is. It is, yeah. You know, the, the, you. the girls and women who we rescue from, from human trafficking, mm -hmm. they, they all have their own dream. Some, some actually will say, look, I just want to go home uh, and have a family. Right. Um, right. And there are those who say, oh, I, I want to go to university. And it's <clears> fantastic <throat> to be able to to let them choose their own path. That is uh, freedom in its true sense. That's actually Thank a very good insight. Thank you, Michael. You are doing commendable work. It is not every day that one comes across true heroes, you know, uh, 
working at this uh, ground level, you are one of them. May your tribe increase. Thank you, Tish. You're very kind. I don't think of myself as a hero, but well, I do are. think I do think that what I'm doing is heroic. Um, but I'm, like I say, I'm one of many. Uh, and without the many, I could not do anything heroic. Um, so I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position. Uh, I'm so fortunate like say, to do what I do. makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much. Wherever you are listening to this, take the time to learn about trafficking and arm yourself with the knowledge uh, of this issue. Uh, I myself, when I read up about Michael, I had to look up his website and find out what exactly uh, child trafficking and human trafficking is. And uh, I would say choose to buy from, from brands that uh, make the effort to eliminate slavery in their supply chains. Uh, that is all that I can say. Mm. Thank you yeah. very much for joining me today, Michael. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Tej. Thanks for having me. All then. Bye. See you again in the next episode. Till then, be kind. It can be the world to someone. Bye-bye.